Hello, everybody. Um, so, so I came up here and I was about to put my hands in my back pockets, and I don't have any back pockets, and it's the first time that I've had these pants on. I was like, oh no, I don't have any back pockets because I always put my hands in my back pockets. It makes me uncomfortable. Anyway, so, hands. Um, so, the interaction I had, as far as the upcoming passage um, goes, has caused like this great like stirring inside of my heart, um, and it brings me back to childhood and things that happen uh, between my father and, and and I at church. Um, so if you have your Bibles, turn it to Ephesians verse uh, chapter six verse. One through four. And so as you're, you're turning there, I, I'm going to just tell you about the place that this passage took me. Um, so at the age of 14, I, um, at the age of 14, our family attended this tiny little Protestant church for the first time, from coming out of the Catholic like church to um, this Protestant church. And the thing that was so different about this Protestant church is they gave the opportunity to people in the congregation to do everything. Like, so people in the congregation could give sermons, people in the congregation could talk about, about communion, and people in the congregation could pass out communion. And it, it was like the opposite of the experience that our family came out of. And so it just felt so empowering and fun. But again, I was 14, so I interpreted everything through the, the, the eyes of someone who was 14. Um, but something I interpreted that was just so, like, so cool had been I saw my father um, take, take the courage, take the opportunity um, to grow, and he, if given the opportunity to get up and talk in front of people about, about anything, he would take it. And it, 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 like he was all about like public speaking. He was really like poetic. The thing that was funny though is I totally forgot this whole part of his heart until I encountered this passage. And I was like, oh my dad. And so, so every time he had the opportunity to get up in front of people, he would get up. And he often had the chance to talk about uh, communion. And so every time that our church had communion, my dad would come up and present it. And he would just talk and talk and talk to the point that I was like, oh my gosh, please, like it's just time to pass it out. Um, but whoever talked about it, they had to find people to pass it out. And so at the age of 14, every time he would talk about communion, he invited me to help him pass it out. I know, it's not a big deal at all. But when I think about it, that was something about my childhood that I loved. And so the thing that happened, it was the people who would pass it out, they would come up and they would pick up the tray and they'd pick up the cup and they would stand there before the person talking about it. And then at the end, the person talking about it, they would say a prayer over it, and then the people would pass it out. And so my father would talk, and he, he would, like, do these huge, like, communion is the atomic bomb of the church. And I remember, like, whatever, dad, you know, like, things like that. And then he would pray over it, and it's like, that's my dad. And then I would, at the age of 14, I would take this, and I would go 
aisle by aisle and like pass it out. Like, here's the blood of Christ. Yeah. And I felt like I was giving people like this secret. Like it was like this big thing. Like, like this is Jesus. And then I passed the bread down the aisle and my dad and I are like kind of in cohorts and we're doing this, this thing together. Like he just got done talking and I'm passing out what he talked about. And, and it just like gives me goosebumps. Because he just got done talking about Jesus, and he just got done talking about sacrifice. And, and in the ch- church, you hear about Jesus and the parables and who Jesus is and his heart for people. And in the parables, like, like he is the shepherd. He's the guy who comes alongside you. He is um, the guy who buys the field because of the treasure in it, and he buys the whole thing to say, this is how valuable you are. And he's the, I mean, like, he's the guy who sacrificed everything on the cross for you, and I'm passing him out. Like, I'm 14, and I am passing out Jesus and say, here, eat this. That was one of my favorite things. And these parables and, and the things that were taught in our church, they just, like, like painted this idea of, of like, family and, and pursuit and fatherhood and beauty and family. And in that, that tiny little church context, I had a really brilliant, vibrant family, and my dad talked about communion, and I served it. This passage brought me back to that spot, and I forgot it. Like, I have not thought about passing out communion there for 20 years. Not even a thing. But this passage, here it is. It's this common passage that all of us have heard, but it took me to a place because passages should take us places. It should bring up things. It should inspire things that you forgot about. It, it should, should turn your heart and say, don't forget. So, so as a congregation, let's say this together. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be good, go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. This is Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. And so, so from the beginning, you're like, yeah, we've heard this one before. And I know you have, because some of us have been be over the head, as far as this passage goes, from our parents, right? Obey your mother and your father. Honor me. Respect me. You know, like, like growing up in church, you hear this one. It's, it, it's the fourth com- command in the ten. There are people who believe that the order of the commandments have a purpose. And the, the commandment before the fourth is the third, right? And, and that is to, to honor and keep the Sabbath. And to honor and keep the Sabbath is what is before to honor your parents and to obey your parents. As if the Ten Commandments are, are kind of preparing us before you're able to obey your parents, before you're able to honor your parents, you must be able to honor God first and seventh. That's the third, and we're going into the fourth. Um, it is important for us to also see the context of this passage. So, so oftentimes we say, context, context, context. And so um, this passage and, and these passages, as far as, as it says, 
Children do this, and fathers do this. It comes directly in the center of two other passages that are like the, um, that kind of hold it, that do the same thing. Um, before it, it's talking about, about spouses. Husbands, you do this, and, and then, then wives, you do this. Then it says children, you do this. Fathers, you do this. Then it says, slaves, you do this. Pastors, you do this. Okay? And so, so he's kind of just picking apart these different things. And each time he brings in paradox. Right? How things had been and how the order of hierarchy had been before, he's bringing in more of this paradox. So if husbands, they are going to su- submit, so are your wives and vice versa. And if you're a slave over here and you're a pastor, same thing. And then here in the center, we have children and we have fathers. And he's kind of bringing in this posture of if God crashed in to your childhood and if God crashed into your parenting, how would that play out? Just as over here, if God crashed in to your husband, or if God crashed in to your wife, how would that play out? And so this is the context in the book of Ephesians that is beginning to happen here. So that was a lot of talking. <laughs> Let's just pause for a little second. <laughs> so, okay. So, children. Obey your parents as they are in the Lord, right? So a lot of us have heard this, and we've heard this like in the church, in the Ten Commandments, as, as, as something like, here, this is just clear cut. But the, the, the arguments that you often hear is like, wait a second, there are a lot of really bad parents there out there, right? A bunch of us who have had bad parents. Who has bad, no, kidding. Um, like a bunch of us though were like, man, you know who my parents were? I, I shouldn't obey, blah, 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 right? I get that. Yes, we get that. That, that was why the apostle Paul, he offers this caveat because the commandments interpret themselves. They bring understanding into themselves. And so, so So it says, honor your parents, obey your parents as they are in the Lord. So as your parents are following the Lord, you obey them. Think about, consider Abraham, for for instance. Before Abraham became Abraham, consider Abram. He was someone who grew up being a part of a pagan household. In fact, his father hand-carved pagan idols to support their family. Like, that's what he was the expert in. Like, the father of all Judaism, the father of all Christianity, father Abraham, where all it comes from, he was born in a household of a father and a mother who hand-carved pagan idols and sold them, and this was their business. Like, people would come over to him and say, I'm having a hard time with such and such, and then, then probably Abraham would say, I have the idol for you. Right? Like, like, this is what he does. He sells idols. He heard the call, right? He was the first human being on earth who personally heard the call of God, and God says, follow me. And he says, yes. 
had the pursuit of God in this story, did it cause him to obey his father? No, in fact, it was just the opposite. It was just the opposite. In fact, he was probably disobeying his father during the time that he goes, goes there into his father's pagan idol shop and he overturns the tables and he destroys the idols as to say, I'm out of here, I'm gone, I'm scooting on and I'm following after God. So Abram follows after God in this pursuit. And this is where the idea of honor comes from. So the definition of honor as a noun, so it's to esteem. It's something that's esteemed. It's something that's valued. It's something that is whole. Um, It's this, this thing of pride. The Hebrew people believe that honor comes from God. It doesn't come from people. And so to follow after God and pursue God and to become a whole child is to bring honor to your parents. It's to esteem them, even if your parents don't know it or not. And so in the Old Testament, you have story after story after story of children who seek to to honor their parents by pursuing after God. You also hear stories of godly parents who are phenomenal, and they are going after pursuing God, and they bring their children up in the Lord. And that's the second half of this passage. Here it is. Check it out. Honor your father. Where is it? Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you, that you may enjoy a long life. On earth, the second half. Here we go. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So, so it had been children. It's like go and you you obey your parents, you you honor your parents, you bring them, you esteem them, and then it shifts to fathers and it says do not exasperate. Exasperate means to exhaust. Um, it means to like like shame. It means to be down. It means to like like school. It's like this exhausting parental posture. As a father, I exasperate a lot, right? Um, it's just like being a parent sometimes is really frustrating because they just don't get it. Here's the thing. As far as parenting goes, kids aren't supposed to get it, okay? Um, Our job as parents is not to have friends in our children. It's to parent our children. And parenting takes work. And sometimes it's just exhausting. And sometimes they just don't get it. I get it. I had a father who exasperated me all the time. And it was just like, man, Dad, I'm trying, I'm trying. And it just didn't help. Do not exasperate your children. Do not shame them. Do not, do not even like coach them to the point that they are an object to transform. But it kind of paints this picture of walking alongside them as you teach them the way of the Lord. The way of the Lord. And this is what brought me back to this church and my dad doing communion. And then I'm sitting under him passing out these, like what is the way of the Lord? And what are the teachings of the Lord? And how do we desire to teach? And then how do we desire to absorb? Again, I go back to the parables. Like I go back to the parables of 
Jesus as he is the iconic father and him as shepherd, someone who protects, someone who comes alongside, someone who feeds, someone who encourages, someone who picks up, someone who this is their job. And I start to think, man, this is like the opposite of exasperation or, or the, the guy who bides the field to, a, uh, to get the treasure in it. The, I will sell everything for my kids. I will do whatever it takes. And this is the image that's put out there. Or the parable of the good steward who doesn't bury his kids in the ground. You know what I'm saying? Like, like we're doing this together. Some of us parent our kids as if they're tropical fish put in a goldfish bowl and they have to have the perfect temperature and, and the perfect pH and they're fed the, the perfect food and then they go in the ocean and die. We are parents who are supposed to teach our kids there is chaos at hand. And Jesus is the master of chaos. He brings order into chaos. He takes it and says, I can do my best stuff in this. And, and you are his children. Like, like as parents, there is this exciting calling that you have and there's an exciting adventure that your kids have. And as parents, the teaching and instruction of the Lord teaches our kids how to go into chaos and be confident, how to be strong, so that, that our kids are more like salmon in the ocean than tropical goldfish. The thing is, is that parenting is hard. It's really, really hard. It's hard because of the, the fact that, of the brokenness that is at hand in each of us. In fact, you know, there are times, especially in those times of the exasperation, right? That, that term of exasperation, that a bunch of us, I bet, or if it's just me, that during those times that I'm like hovering over my son and being like, dude, that's exactly what I do actually. I clench my hands and he calls it holding the fire. Dude, um, don't hold the fire, Dad. Anyway, so during the times of exasperation in my head, I'm like, I'm doing what my dad did. I'm doing exactly what my dad did. Or I'm doing what my mom did. I am my mom. Oh, my gosh, I'm my mom. Who here has been in that moment of like, oh, my gosh, I am my mom. I'm my mom. Mom, get out of my head, you know? <laughs> That's us. And so is there any, like, secret? Is there any, like, golden ticket to better parenting? I would typically tell you, absolutely not, guys. It's hard. That's how it is. Suck it up. But I think there is. I think there is a secret to parenting. I think there's a secret to family. I think there is a golden ticket. And it's in the first half of this passage that you guys have heard a hundred times before and abused it like crazy. So here's the first half again, okay? Here it is. Put up, Brittany. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on earth. So this is the first half. Honor your mother and your father. Now, the Ten Commandments have been given to the Jews. And, and primarily, the target of the Ten Commandments had been the Adults, the adults. God was talking to adults on how to live. And so this was given to adult 
children. So in Judaism, um, a child is not defined by their age. It's defined by have you been born? Have you been begotten? Yes, right? The fact that you have a belly button probably says that you didn't create yourself. And your belly button is one of the most humbling parts of your body because it says you came from somewhere. That's important. So, honor your father and your mother. This was said to adult children. Also, the term honor, I said a bit earlier as a noun, here's the thing that it is. And I kind of like deceived you guys a bit. I hope some of you are like, KJ, this isn't a noun in this passage. It's a verb, right? You honor. This is the action. You honor. As a verb, the definition of the verb to honor, it means to fulfill or to make whole. Now, this is where it starts to get fun. Because as children, as adult children, and as parents, you see what I'm saying? <laughs> you take this term, honor your mother and your father, the place you came from. Their DNA is pumping through you. You are just like my father. Honor your mother and your father. Make whole your mother and your father. Fulfill your mother and your father. Did Abraham fulfill his father? Heck, yes, he did. Because the brokenness that his father had, Abraham fulfilled it, and he brought wholeness to it. This idea of making whole is assuming that something is broken. And a bunch of us are in the spitting image of our parents. That is slang for spirit and image. Spitting. We're spitting images of them. Spirit and image of our parents. And so in those times of exasperation, brokenness comes out to play. And for us to practice, what would it be like if God crashed into my family? It would start out by honoring our father and our mother who tried the best they could, and they oftentimes fell, fell very short. I bet it would be easy for a ton of you to think, here's the thing that they did. Here's what they did. Here's how they fell short. Here's how they fell short. And I do this too. What would it be? do for you to have this idea of bringing wholeness to your mother and your father, even if they're not here anymore. So I have a friend who at the age of five, um, her mom committed suicide. And so, so as she grew up, she found that her mom committed suicide because she had a lot of self-hatred, um, a lot of hatred and her body image, a lot of hatred as far as different people in her family, and then a lot of that hatred was pointed back towards her, and she just couldn't handle it, and she committed suicide. And so my friend grew up from the age of five 
being parented by a single father. The whole time thinking, why is my mom not here? Over time, that just became a part of her. Her mom committed suicide, and she, she's very open to talking about that. It was a painful thing. And so she grew up, and at the age of 37, the same age that her mom committed suicide, she began to have a ton of self-hatred. Same age. Furthermore, she had a five-year-old, she had a five-year-old daughter. It's like the same story playing over. Her mom was 37, had a five-year-old daughter. Self-hatred ended up killing herself. And then here's my friend at the age of 37, self-hatred, all these thoughts, five-year-old daughter. She overhears her five-year-old daughter saying, I'm ugly, I hate myself. And she, being her parent, is like, how do I fix this? How do I encourage her? What do I do? She does the thing that her mom couldn't do, and she started to fix herself. She began to ask the hard questions about her image, her heart, what she was going through. She started to ask about her belly button and the place that she came from because she saw there was this bigger story happening. There was a cycle, and you could not avoid it. It was obvious. I mean, it's like profoundly obvious. And she pressed into the cross, and she pressed into Jesus, and she's like constantly calling out, show me who I am. Show me about myself. Show me my heart. And Jesus does that. That's what he does. And her journey, she had to make huge changes. She went through counseling. She, she confronted some of the deepest, darkest places of her soul. And in doing so, she honored her mom because she came out on the other side. And her daughter, she didn't even have to talk about self-hatred. It just vanished. It was as if but by pressing into her heart, pressing into her soul, pressing into her, her, her origins, she brought this idea of wholeness. And it caused her to be the mom she was meant to be. It caused her to bring up her daughter how her daughter was meant to be. A bunch of us can tell this similar story. It's not a story about suicide, but it's a story about being angry all the time. It's a story about pornography. It's a story about poverty. It's a story about, about drinking too much. It's a story about being at your job too much. It's the story of your father and your mother. And for a better parenting, to be a better mom, to be a better dad, the first thing that, that all of us need to do is to own the fact that you are a child and you didn't create yourselves. This, I actually think, is really, really huge. You can't fix your kids if you don't fix yourself and you can't fix yourself if you don't honor your mother and your father. I love this. Because it's empowering, and it's beautiful, and it's gospel. Because this is what the cross does. It takes brokenness out of circulation. That's why we have this vocabulary of 
bring it to the cross, bring it to the cross, bring it to the cross. It's like, like the cross is there, and when you bring hatred to the cross, it takes hatred out of circulation. When you bring anger to the cross, it takes it out of circulation. Because if you don't bring it to the cross, it just circulates through your family. The stuff that you have is going to get passed down because it just circulates and circulates and circulates. Of course your families are broken. Bring it to the cross. It takes anger out of circulation. It, it takes distrust out of circulation, sin out of circulation. You name it. The cross takes it out of circulation so it can go no further. This should be exciting, it should be empowering for those of us who have felt like it's just hopeless. I am who I am, and my kids are who they are, and my parents are who they are. Who has had that story forever? I have. How do I honor my mother and my father? Because in doing so, I am teaching them the teachings and instructions of the Lord because I am experiencing what he does when I posture my heart towards honor, wholeness. The thing that is brilliant and the thing that is cool is it just does not embody who your own family is. This embodies everything and everyone. So there's this question that is brought by Jesus himself, um, that, that, that I think it turns church a bit on its head. So earlier I said, I said, at the church that I had, I experienced family. And here, so I often, I get up and I talk about how you are my family. And Jesus presents that, that idea also. Here's a passage that he talks about. Who is your family? So... Could all of us say this together? While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whomever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. I think that one of the biggest gifts of the church is the church's family, and that I can claim you as my mother and my father, my brother and my sister, and my sons and my daughters. And that is one of the biggest gifts, especially in the conversation of honor your mother and your father. And fathers, do not exasperate your children, but teach them the teachings and instruction of the Lord. This brings us wholeness to us. Whenever you blow up the idea of who are you as father? Who are you as son? It, so are these passages talking to, talk, talking to me as a child, or does it talk to me as a father? The answer is Yes, at the same time, for me to be a good father, I am both. But oftentimes, I cannot see and totally answer who are my family. So, I've been dying to tell you this forever. So, about seven 
summers ago, I was hunting bull elk. <laughs> and gotta tell a hunting story. And so those of you who are offended by it, I'm sorry. It's just who I am. Tough. So, so I was hunting bull elk, and, and it's the fifth day of the season. So it's a final day. Final day of the season, and I finally figured out the place they are. And I've been patterning them, and it's going awesome. And so I put myself in the prime spot during sundown that the elk are going to be passing right by. It's like the, it's, it's, it's going to be perfect. And I'm sitting there. There's cool air coming up the mountain. Everything is perfect. And I hear this bull elk bugle, and it's like, game on. I've prepared five days for this. And so I can see the, the elk are beginning to come up. And all of a sudden, I hear something, some guy shoots off his gun five times. All right, so those of you who hunt, you don't shoot your gun five times. You shoot your gun once. And, and then if People hear your gunshots, so do the elk. So all the elk on that whole hill are gone, right? So I'm like, oh, dude. And then he shot five, pow, 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 five times. And I'm like, you idiot. And at that point, I began just to pack up because it's time to go home. It's over. And then I hear, help, help, help me, help. Just like a lot. And I was like, I roll, you know, like I roll, like, oh my gosh, I have to go. And so I go down the hill and there was this kid who was, help, hey. And I was like, dude, you know, like I'm here, you know, I'm trying to be quiet, but Alex season's over. Um, so I'm like, hey, dude, I'm here. And he starts bawling and he's like, I think I just shot an elk. He was 12. Okay, it's his first season out there. And I said, dude, congratulations. And he said, my dad's not here. And I said, is he some, I'm like, and he said, he's back at camp five miles from here. He sent me out by himself and he said, the odds of, of him shooting one are so slim, he's not even gonna come. And um, dude, so Fathers, my heart instantly broke because I fantasize about the time that my son's going to shoot his first elk. And I was like, oh, man, he missed it. Like, this father, he missed it. And he is five miles from his camp. He has a cow on the ground, and this kid has no idea how to take care of it. And in that moment, I thought, it's time to become a father. And so I sit down and I coach him. All right, here's the thing you got to do. Here's what you got to do. Seven hours. His father never came out because he was drinking beer at camp. And, and so he and I, side by side, here's this kid. I have no idea who he is, and he has no idea who I am. He and I are cutting open this cow elk. We're pulling out the intestines. I'm sorry, guys. We're pulling out the intestines. But this is what fathers and sons often do, and I was honored to do it for this young man. And so we're pulling it out, and he's, he's carving it, and then we're quartering it. We're putting it in our backpacks, and, and we take it back to his camp, and his dad was passed out, and he missed it. 
I'm glad I didn't miss it. Like, I'm glad I didn't miss it because that's a story I hold really close to my heart. I got to be a father. I got to coach. I got to instruct. I got to show him how I hunt and how I pray over my animals. Like, I got to, his, whatever. There are so many of us who give the opportunity to parent our kids to other people. There are so many of our fathers who give the opportunity for someone else to father our kids. There are so many of us who have the opportunity to father but do not because you don't know who your children are. There are tons of us in the church who haven't ever actually had a child but to you I say, who are your children? And I hope you spread your arms and say, they're all around me. And then there are children here who has a belly button, all of us, who if I ask, who is your mother and your father? I hope you can spread your arms and say, everyone around me. Because this is one of the most beautiful places that the gospel is experienced. It's between a son or a daughter and a mother and a son. And Jesus says, who are my children and who are my mother and my father? And at the core of it is honor. It's to bring wholeness. It's to bring fulfillment. It's to bring this journey of this idea that you get to carry the gospel that you get to bring fulfillment and honor, that you get to, in your hands, carry the broken body of Christ and the spilt blood of Jesus, and you get to pass it around like some secret, saying, this means something to me. Because it really, really does. Whenever you have seen your mother and your father honored, And when you have seen Jesus as the shepherd, as the buyer of the field, as the inheritor of the treasure, as the guy who has the coin, as the guy who has the steward, and he is your father saying, come join me. What would it be like for you to be people of honor, not just for the people after you, but the people who have come before you? What would it be like for you to own the fact that you are both child and mother, child and father? What would it be like for you to experience the fullness of who you are experiencing Jesus as one? So I thought it'd be fun, just fun, just play with me for a second, to offer the same opportunity that I had as a child to serve communion, but by the side of my father. So there are 10 tables here. There's a table right here, 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 back there. I think there's one there. I can't, no. No, there's a table right there and a table right there. And I'm going to invite parents and their children to pick a table to serve it tonight to the congregation. And so it could be a father and a daughter, a father and a son, a 
brother and a daughter, mother and a son. It could be a a 75-year-old mother and a 40-year-old son. It doesn't matter, right? I'm going to give you guys the opportunity to serve communion together. There's a piece of paper up here that says, here's the thing to say. And it just says, the body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ spilt for you. Um, So I am going to pray for us and go into a time of, of kind of processing a bit the things that God is showing you. But during that time, if you are a parent who has the desire and the opportunity to come alongside your child and serve communion and to speak the body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ broken for you, uh, spilled for you, um, come pick a table and fill it. And at the time that the tables are all filled, the band will come up and then go from there. Sound okay? Are there any questions about that? Nope? Good. Okay. I'm going to go into prayer. You guys can come up and fill the tables. God, we thank you for who you are, who you are as Father, as perfect Father. God, we thank you for who you are as the the father who sacrifices, the father who comes alongside of, the father who values. God, we thank you for the father, for being the father who teaches us and instructs us, the father who encourages us, the father who brings fullness, the father who encourages honor, the father who exists in the past, in the present, and in the future. God, we thank you that you are the father who gives opportunity. Jesus, speak to our hearts in the places that they've been broken. The places that show up in times of pain that bring exasperation. Jesus, show us the places when there is hurt, that there is shame. Show us the places that need to be honored. Jesus, as our Father, show us our hearts with clarity and understanding and grace. Jesus, show us our parents and things that need to be honored in them. Lord, show us our parents things that have brought us hurt, the things that have brought us pain, the things that are in circulation in our family. And teach us about honor, wholeness, restoration, fulfillment. Show us the good stuff the gospel can do here. for who you are as a savior, the healer, the comforter, shepherd, the general, the fighter, the sacrifice, the king. 
Jesus, we thank you that you are all the things that make the sad things untrue. Thank you for inviting us to this table, the table of your broken body and spilled blood, the places that heaven crashes into earth. Jesus, we thank you.